0: i Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, December 6th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes.
1: Okay, so Jay, according to official estimates, the population of Papua New Guinea is about 9.5 million. But the country is now not quite sure if that's true after a UN study found its actual population might be as high as 17 million people there's a big gap there, Jay. That's that's quite an error. Thoughts? Are you concerned about the, the miscount? I'm concerned about who's doing the census in Papua New Guinea. That is way, way, way off. You know, even if you don't care about this fact, but it is a fun fact, it is troubling to know that the official institution that's responsible for counting the number of people in Papua New Guinea got it that wrong. It really makes you question everything that's going on in Papua New Guinea.
0: <laughs> it kind of does. I wonder what else they
1: have that wrong, like their GDP, their, I don't know. Exactly. It's also, but it's a big boon for the country. You know, having more people is not the worst thing in the world, especially as we kind of face demographic uncertainty. So I think I'm going to look at the bright side here. A loose Papua New Guinea, bigger than we thought, more of a power than we thought, like not actually that much smaller than Canada too, but it's like a tiny island. So anyways, lots, lots going on in Papua New Guinea.
0: Brett, aside from finding some silver linings in the incomplete and inaccurate, census in Papua New Guinea. What do we have for peak calls today?
1: How can you beat that? For our first story, Circle isn't going public anymore. For our second story, we have an inverted yield curve. And for our last story, you could get arrested in a Hertz.
0: For our first story, Brett, stablecoin group Circle has abandoned its plans to go public, which is one of the first signs that the fall of crypto exchange FTX is starting to hit even digital assets regarded as the least risky. So Brett, what does
1: Circle do? So Circle's USD coin, the USDC, is the second largest stable coin after Tether, which is USDT. Now, both are pegged to the US dollar and valued at $43 billion and $66 billion, respectively. But that's not the only kind of stable coin. Some are quote-unquote algorithmic, like TerraUSD or crypto-backed and more vulnerable to broader market drawdowns. To catch you up on the crypto crash. In the
0: days after FTX's bankruptcy, stablecoins, most of which peg their value to major currencies and are therefore seen as safer digital investments, had a pretty stellar run.
1: Now, Stablecoin's share of overall crypto market capitalization increased to 18%, an all-time high since, but USDC and USDT have fallen 20% in value from their peak.
0: One University of Calgary professor told Cointelegraph, which is something I know, Brett, you read all the time, quote-unquote, this shows how interconnected the
1: crypto market is to stable coins and after sight of the FTX contagion that it's spread. Now, it matters because the growing sense of instability around digital assets paired with a gloomy economic outlook is swinging investors to park their money in safer investments like good old fashioned bonds.
0: Bankruptcies from several major crypto players and rising interest rates were already spooking investors in digital assets, but the FTX collapse really sealed the deal.
1: Next, crypto execs are trying to drum up confidence in the industry again, but a collapse of a USD-backed stablecoin, there's been one big scare recently, would set them way further back. For our second story, folks, Canada's got a serious case of the old inverted yield curve. Inverted what, Jay? Well, Let's start with the basics, spread. A yield curve measures the rate of return,
0: which is the yield, that investments into government-issued debt, which are bonds, will pay out over time
1: from three months to 30 years. Now, bonds are supposed to age like fine wine, aka their value goes up the longer they mature, because investors are rewarded for parking their money for longer periods of time.
0: But as of writing, or as of this podcast, the yield on two-year government-issued bonds is nearly a full percentage point higher, 3.76%, than for 10-year bonds. That's the widest gap since the early 1990s. Brett, what's happening here?
1: So yield curves gauge investors' confidence in the economy. When everyone wants a piece of the long-term bond market, seen as a safe place to park money amid a pretty dire short-term economic outlook, the demand drives their value down and inverts the yield curve.
0: This matters because alarm bells are ringing around the news because inverted yield curves have been historically linked to oncoming
1: recessions
0: but it's not a cause and effect relationship.
1: The R word. Now, while most economists don't see a major downturn ahead in Canada, growth is expected to stall in 2023, which could lead to a technical recession. This is per BNN Bloomberg.
0: To zoom out a bit, just like World Cup fever, the inverted yield curve caused by long-term yields pushing lower globally is currently a worldwide phenomenon hitting the US, EU, and others. It's coming home. For our third story, rental cars can be the worst breath. Sometimes they have lumpy seats. Sometimes they smell like the people that were in there before. But if you use Hertz, the potential of being arrested for a crime you didn't commit is actually one of those things that make rental car companies bad.
1: Yeah, this is a crazy story, Jay. So former meme stock darling Hertz doled out $168 million to settle 364 claims that had falsely reported rental cars as stolen- when they were just a bit late to be returned. Shares fell 3.53% on the day,
0: denting the financial situation of a company that only just managed to exit bankruptcy oversight
1: thanks to a red hot rental car market. Now, Hertz CEO Stephen Scherer also said back in April that the false arrests affected only 1/100th of a 1% of Hertz customers. That's still you know, quite a few people, Jay. <laughs> if you're
0: one of those people, it really, really sucked. It matters because Hertz's oversight led to hundreds of false arrests by armed officers across the U.S. and in Canada, and several imprisonments of innocent drivers trying to get from point
1: A to point B. Now, the bottom line is that in case you thought a multi-million dollar fine would help the company learn their lesson, one Hertz spokesperson, they disagreed, they told CNN this week that the company is, quote unquote, not currently dealing with any specific steps being taken to prevent future such occurrences you know you think they'd do something or at least say something
0: different (laughs) yeah
1: exactly peak pals thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in canada if you got a second why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review and if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode.
0: Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, this is your daily reminder. Now, return the rent-a-car on time.
1: Yeah. I guess that's one way to do it, someone penalize people by getting arrested.
0: I don't think you sign away your rights once you rent the car. Like, just return it. You won't get arrested, but you probably shouldn't get arrested. Anymore. Have a good day, Brett. You too, Jay.